Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. Covering for Bruce today, so he, he was going to do the message, but I am gladly going to be doing that for him. And I just pray that he feels better. And if you're watching, brother, I hope that you're feeling uh, better today. And I just pray that you will continue to be uh, have healing in your body and also with your family as well. So before we begin, we'll pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of worship with your family, Father God. We uh, It's been a wonderful morning of praise and reading your word and praying together and thanking you together. Just ask, Father God, that your words come through uh, through this message, Father, that your words be heard uh, to all those and all those that hear them to be blessed, Father. And, and this I thank you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. And with that, so Kitesa, so Kitesa, so I'm married, uh, titled as Merit and Grace. So they're slightly different terms there, but they're relatable, and we'll go through that a little bit as we go through the portion. So this is a, there's a lot of things in this Torah portion. There's quite a bit of detail. So I focus mostly uh, on the uh, application of uh, the first part of the transgression against God that this golden calf occurred. But also we'll be referring to the identification of the people that he said would be my people and I will be their God. We'll go into this as well. But to start, Exodus 32, from Exodus 32, 7, before I read that, after 40 days of fasting in his tents of meeting, Moses began to negotiate with God. Ever since the sin of the golden calf, the Lord had not referred to Israel as his people. That's an important note to, to mention. Rather, they were Moses' people. So, and we'll read that together. It says in Exodus 32, 7, then Adonai said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have become debased. So, according to Rashi, with the spiritual, so he is a commentator on the Torah, uh, with the spiritual downfall of his people, Moses was dismayed, uh, or dismissed rather, uh, from his lofty perch. So he was in the presence of God, but he was dismissed from his lofty perch for he had been elevated to a heavenly status only for Israel's sake. Now that he had become unworthy, now that they had become unworthy, rather, Hashem ordered him to descend from Sinai. So, with that said, as a general rule, even at that time, even now, Jewish leadership, um, as a general rule, Jewish leadership, the merit of the community, is indispensable uh, to the success of those who serve it. And we actually can find that from a uh, from a Mishnah uh, from uh, Avot two two actually the sages teach the merit of the community's forefathers aids them and their righteousness i.e. the for, the forefathers so um, and it endures forever so that is actually an interesting concept because in the merit the merit and the works of Yeshua the Messiah and his merit God sees that as good it is something that is that can actually atone. It actually has the power for that, and specifically because he's Yeshua, particularly. But in this case, we kind of see a reflection of that in Moses, actually interceding for the people. So their character was in decline. So he went down, 
And he got so angry, he actually destroyed those tablets. Those were the ones that were written by the finger of God, the first set. But, however, Moses, on the other hand, remained in God's favor. And we'll discuss that word favor in just a moment. As he negotiated for forgiveness and atonement, he banked heavily on God's favor for him. He contemplated that although he remained in God's favor, he felt disfavored because he was told to lead the people without God's presence. So we'll discuss that verse in just a moment. But before that, that word favor, favor, can also be translated chen, chen or chesed, so kindness, favor, grace. And of course, uh, we refer a lot to Sandra's message. That was a really good one. It's, it's actually used throughout the entire Old Testament or the Tanakh, uh, that word, favor, kindness, and grace. Thus Moses argued for mercy and forgiveness on the basis of God's grace toward him. As we read in Exodus 33, 12-13, it says, So Moses said to Adonai, You say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you, you have said, I know you by name. So this is God speaking to Moses. I know you by name, intimately, not just of you, but I know exactly who you are intimately, not just knowledge, but I have a relationship with you. Remember, he spent, he spent 40 days and 40 nights with him. He got to know him on an intimate level. And you have also found grace in my eyes. Verse 13, now then I pray, if I have found grace in your eyes, show me your ways so that I may know you. So this is Moses back to God. So that I might find favor in your sight. Consider also that this nation is your people. So he's pleading don't wipe these people out and just leave me, you know, be with not only me, but the people, you know, have mercy on us. Consider the nation that you just delivered, despite the transgression that they committed. On the basis of Moses' complaint or interjection with the Lord, the Lord relented ever so slightly, whereas previously he had declared that he would not go with Israel as they went uh, up from Sinai. He, uh, now he conceded that he would go with Moses. As we read in Exodus 33:14, the next verse, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He answered. So, interesting, if you look this up on Bible Hub or Blue Letter Bible in the Hebrew itself, that last you is a second masculine singular term. It is not a plural term uh, that is used when he says you. So um, in that particular text, that's the very last in the order of the Hebrew. It's the very last Hebrew word of that verse. Lach, you, second masculine singular. He's talking to Moses, not the people yet. You'll notice he's just talking to Moses. So that's an important oversight. So this is a very grievous sin that had just occurred, and he was going to wipe out the entire people he just delivered. So Moses is interceding. That kind of sounds similar to someone else we know a couple thousand years afterwards. You know, that, that also makes atonement for us, who pleads on the Father for our behalf, you know, for, for, the, for our, that grace to be shown to us and our sin. So you, there's a very similar, as we learn in Torah Club, there's a similar distinction between Moses and Yeshua. They both were Redeemer figures. They spoke to God. They had an intimate connection with God. And they both left, and then they came back. Moses left Egypt. He fled and then he came back as God's agent and delivered the people. Just as Yeshua had left um, 
Remember, uh, he came back and at the temple at 12, we'll read. But also, remember, he fled to Egypt as well. So he went to Egypt uh, and fled the, the evil reign of King Herod the Great that slaughtered the, uh, the children. But that is a side note. I could do a sermon about that. I've got to stay focused myself. But as that is said, Moses rejected... Um, I'm sorry, the Lord only promised to go with Moses and give Moses rest. He did not say so regarding Israel, at least not yet, anyway. Nor did he acknowledge them as his people. So Moses rejected the offer. And he said, speaking in the first person plural form in Exodus 33:15. But then he said to him, if your presence does not go with me, don't let us go up from you. It was not adequate for God to accompany, uh, to accompany Moses only, just to be with him. He needed to accompany the whole people. Moses deliberately identified himself with the people. Not just like, oh yeah, it's them, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm cool with that. You could start a covenant just with me, and you still were faithful to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob with me. No, he said, he pleaded for the people. And as stubborn as they were, as much grief as they gave him, and will give him in the future, he is still humble enough to, to speak. I mean, really think about that. We just read this a lot of times. You're like, oh, that's a good story. But what's going on here is pretty profound. A very humble man, as the Bible says, indeed. Would we do the same for our, our brethren, for our congregation, for our family? Would we have that much humility to ask in forgiveness? I would hope so for others. It was as if Moses had said, if you want to show me favor and go with me, you need to show us all favor and go with all of us. Because I am with the people. Moses would accept nothing less than grace for the whole nation. He knew that he enjoyed the favor of the Lord, and he sought to include the nation in the merit of God's favor for him. So there was a merit there, that, a favor that was shown to Moses. Exodus 33:16. For how would it be known that I or your people would find favor in your sight? Isn't it because you go with us that distinguishes us from all the people on the face of the earth? Moses deliberately identified himself with the people saying us and we and I and your people, for example. He no longer appealed to the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like the he could have said, oh yeah, the covenant, yeah, it's with me, you can start over with me. He didn't say that. He wanted everyone to, to have that salvation from God. He no longer appealed to the, what will the Egyptians think argument. He appealed merely to God's expressed favor for him on his own merit in God's eyes. Moses hoped to atone for the entire nation. It was the only thing he had left with which to negotiate. The Lord conceded again and, and responded, so the next verse, so you'll see the succinct dialogue here. This, this narrative continues, verse to verse. Adonai said to Moses, I will also do what you have said, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So again, we see that. God agreed to forgive the nation, to go with them, and to acknowledge them as his people on the basis of his favor for Moses. This story illustrates the Hasidic concept of um, Hasidicism, uh, where the merit of our favor of a single uh, righteous, like a Sadiq, a righteous person, uh, can be extended to others. So again, the righteousness we can find also 
and Yeshua. He is a tzaddik. He is a righteous one. He has merit. He has the ultimate merit. See, normally one righteous person couldn't atone for the entire nation for all eternity, but only for a time. Remember the story of the high priest. If you accidentally killed someone, you could go to a sanctuary uh, city, a city that was designated to, to go to by God. And then that high priest had to die, and it had to be the next high priest. Then they could be released, blameless. But this takes it to a whole other level with Yeshua, who is eternal. You cannot destroy God. God does not just die, but he not only lives, but he resurrects the dead. So that's another concept to understand that God is building a foundation here, and it continues on that foundation. He doesn't chip away the foundation that it started with, but he builds upon it as we read through the scriptures together. So that's a really important concept. On the merit of one, uh, one righteous man standing with God, all of Israel is granted standing with God, with a son of Israel, Yeshua the Messiah. This, these are the mechanics of the gospel. The ultimate redeemer is like the first redeemer. So we have Moses is one of the major first redeemers. And there's no other prophet quite like Moses. Even with, Ezekiel, um, with uh, Elijah and Elisha, there's quite fantastical stories, but Moses is still different, and so is Yeshua. They're redeemer figures. Making atonement for the entire nation on behalf of one's own merit. The story also illustrates the meaning of the word grace. So Christian teachers sometimes define grace as, a, as God's unmerited favor, which is correct, but there's a greater meaning to that word as well. On the contrary, one could argue, grace implies merited favor, Actually, quite the opposite, as, we're, as we have just read in Exodus. Someone did merit it. Our righteous Messiah merited God's favor, and he identified himself with us so that we might share in that favor. So, just like a Judaism, what's the right answer? Well, yes. You know, a lot of times the argument is both and. It's not always no or yes. It depends on the topic. And he said in Exodus 33:14, as we said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. The New Testament speaks about the grace that God bestows upon uh, people through Yeshua. What does that mean? What is grace? Many teachers define grace, as we said, unmerited favor. But this definition is not completely accurate because some Bible readers believe that prior to the New Testament, grace did not exist. As we just saw, it did. God was kind all the way through. He did not destroy Israel. He could have. If he didn't have grace, if the character of God was different, all those people would be gone. And he could have destroyed Egypt. He could have destroyed all humanity by another means other than fire and still been a holy God that kept to his word. But he did have grace. And we see it exhibited even further in Moses in this particular section of the Torah. They imagine a false dichotomy. So law and grace, they're opposite factors, but they're not. They go together. Law is God's expectations for us, and grace is his favor on us. They go together. They're not opposing forces. They're not dichotomy, uh, not so much of a dichotomy, but more of a, a unified characteristic. On the contrary, the Torah speaks of God's grace frequently. But when we translate the Hebrew to English, we usually uh, translate the Hebrew word chen as favor. So the same word stands behind the Greek, um, and you'll have to forgive me, Esther knows the Greek, I don't as much. But charis, um, charis 
if I'm not mistaken, correct me Greek speakers, but that is translated as grace or kindness in the New Covenant. In the Bible, grace and favor are the same thing. Moses insisted that if he had truly found favor in God's sight, the Lord would not send him alone to lead Israel. The Lord replied, my presence shall go with you. God promised to accompany Moses, but he did not promise to accompany the nation, as we previously discussed. His favor rested on Moses, but not all of Israel. Moses refused the offer, uh, as, we, as we read. He refused to separate himself from the people. If your presence doesn't go with us, uh, do not lead a, a, us up from here. He intentionally identified himself with, with the nation. If God was going to treat him with any favor, he must treat the whole nation with that same favor. Recapping from verse 16, For now that it is known uh, that he has had favor in your sight, I and your people, it is not by your going with us, so that we, or I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other peoples upon the face of the earth. By positioning himself with Israel, Moses put authority in an, um, I mean, put the Almighty in an awkward position. If God intended to express his favor for Moses, he had to, according, uh, to accord that same favor to the people of Israel, whom Moses so closely identified himself. The Lord agreed and extended his favor to Moses, um, to the whole nation. I will also, from verse 17, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. The story illustrates how the grace of the Messiah functions. The story also demonstrates that grace is not an unmerited gift, though through his righteous life and his undeserved death or suffering, the Messiah, Yeshua, Yeshua of Nazareth, merited favor in his Father's sight. He didn't have unmerited favor. He had merited favor according to what we read in Scripture. Even at his young age, he grew in favor and wisdom. We find in Luke 2, as I con conclude for today, Luke 2, 56-52, he was obedient firstly to the Father, listening to the Torah teachers, asking questions, and giving answers as well at the temple at age 12. So, we'll read uh, this, this last little section. After three days, they found him in the temple, so that's uh, Mary and Joseph, sitting in the center of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All of those hearing him were astonished at his understanding of his answers. When his parents saw Yeshua, they were overwhelmed. And his mother said to him, Child, why did you do this to us? So you ever had a child wander off in the grocery store and you're like, different scenario, of course, but could you, if you're a parent and your child is gone, you're like, uh, where are they? You know. Look, your father and I were searching you frantically. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I must be about the things of my father? But this did not grasp, uh, but they did not grasp the message he was telling them. Then he went down with them to Nazareth, Nazareth, and it was obedient to them, as the Torah commands. But his mother treasured all these words in her heart. And Yeshua kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And men, rather. In conclusion, when we identify ourselves with Yeshua, he identifies himself with us, saying, I and your people, just like Moses was saying. No matter if you're Jewish or Gentile, no matter where you come from, all languages, tongues, and people can identify with Yeshua. It doesn't matter who you are. I and your people 
You were grafted into that promise because of a son of Israel, Yeshua, the Messiah. He brings us under the favor he enjoys from the Father. The grace we receive through our association with Yeshua might seem like a free and unmerited gift to us, but for him, it was not free at all. He earned it, and it cost him his life. And he was obedient to the point of death, even death upon the tree, as we read in Philippians. And with that, I encourage you, also, a beautiful portion. If you haven't read it, or if you read it, study it again. It's a really good portion. And with that, thank you so much for your time, and Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for joining us for the Beit Zayit Messages Podcast. This podcast is an extension of Beit Zayit Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review along with a five-star rating, or give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out our website at BeitSaid.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.